0: Everything technology from computers to mobile phones, TVs, and the internet. Information you want, want all the help you, you need. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long.
1: Um, so, we are, I'm in Berlin, it is some of an hour. I kind of lose track of time when you're overseas, but um, I've just been out shopping for the kids because, you know, they expect Daddy to unpack his bag when he gets home and for them to get something. Um, but that's, uh, that's the price I pay for being away. So uh, This is Your Tech Life. Thanks to Garmin. Let's get cracking.
0: Your Tech Life with Trevor Long.
1: So before I go into a couple of the big things, I actually wanted to bring you, I wanted to tell you about a couple of little things that I found wandering uh, the show floor today. It's, it's one of those good things you get to do after kind of all your main commitments are done. So I, I got the Today Show out of the way and, um, and that takes a lot of organisation. So I had a bit more time today. So I came across this thing called, a, excuse me, called a card phone. Now, it is essentially the size of a credit card. And it's actually described and built, and hopefully by the time you listen to this, this will be on. There'll be photos on eftm.com.au. It's actually billed as the anti-smartphone. Uh, it weighs forty-two grams. It's five millimeters thin. It takes a micro SIM, and it can sync smartphone contacts and make or receive smartphone calls via Bluetooth. So, it's a couple of things. So it can actually be an accessory for your smartphone. Um, I don't know if you remember the the HTC uh, Mate, Mega Max, whatever it was called, they had a big version of their, um, of their flagship phone. They had this little uh, mini that came with it and uh, it was very cool, but it kind of defeated the purpose because it didn't work unless it was within very close range of the other phone. So I'm just gonna put aside the idea of uh, it being a smartphone companion here, this card phone. Alari, E-L-A-R-I, Alari card phone. So imagine your credit card was a calculator, okay? So you've got all the keys there, the numbers, plus you've got a few other keys like the hang up and pick up and power button and an OK button and a back button. Um, what is there two, There's must be 16, 20 buttons on the thing. And then a small maybe 1.5 centimeter um, strip across the top which is the screen. And it's a very basic pretty much dot matrix screen but that's where you see the power button, you see the Bluetooth button when you're trying to connect and it's where you type text messages because um, you can <laughs> you can send texts from this thing. So you could theoretically take a micro SIM from any of the carriers and put it in this device and carry just that and make calls, receive texts. Um, I actually love it. Um, it's something like $60 US. So it's actually... For a dumb phone, pretty expensive. But when you've got to consider that they're actually miniaturising everything, it's, it's more of the gimmick. So let's say it was available in Australia for $85, $90. I reckon, it'd be, I reckon it's a cracker. Cracker second phone, maybe even a cracker kid's phone. So you have this debate about uh, kids getting smartphones at what age? Well, let's call that 11 or 12. But what's stopping me giving a 9 or 10-year-old a phone? So no smart and no, no smarts at all, only dumbs, and it could be this one. It is funny. It is a bit of a gimmick, but I think there's something to it. I think they may have come across something here, but it's one of those ones that I really struggle to get traction on. Um, in 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 terms of you know retailers and telcos, but still a great idea. Um, I took a few photos. Uh, I will have those up on eftm.com.au You shortly. It comes in white, black, orange, and blue. Um, and I encourage you to check it out. It's a very cool little thing. That's the Ilari card phone. You're listening to Your Tech Life.
0: Your Tech Life with Trevor Long.
1: So, the other one that I thought was interesting was um, a thing called Tracks Play. Now, there's actually, uh, there was probably more of these than, than I've seen in a while. Um, and I've actually seen these for over a couple of years at CES. But, good news. This one works in Australia. Now this is a very small device, um, let's call it a size of a matchbox, and it has in it a SIM card, kind of embedded, so you can't take the SIM card out. It has a SIM card that works in 36 countries, including Australia. And you pay, I think it was around $250, and it's then, you you get the service for two years, because the SIM card has to be active, so they're obviously paying that cost. absorbing that cost, if you like, over, over the two years, but it's actually a really smart little uh, GPS tracker for your ca- kids or pets, so you could put it on the collar of, of your dog or your cat, or you could put it in your kid's bag or make them wear it on their belt, whatever it might be, um, and it has outdoor personal GPS tracking, you can draw custom geofences, you can get speed alerts, um, you c- it's, it's the smallest on the market, they claim, and there's a great feature of augmented reality, so because it knows exactly where it is using the app you can hold your phone up like if you're at one side of the park kid was at the other you could hold your phone up in the air and look through the screen and it actually augmented reality style puts you know your child's face on the screen where they are in the park or if even if you're standing at home you kind of look around you could see in what direction they were as well as seeing them on a map so pretty cool uh, additional feature there but the idea of having multiple geofences, so you can have one around a playground, one around school, and then you can have alerts that happen based on time a day, and excuse me, and location. So you could get alerts that say they've they've gone to the playground, they've left the playground, they've got to school, all those kind of things. Which is, and I and I, and I know it sounds big brotherish, but just think about that for a minute. If your, your kid walks to school, so my son currently catches the bus. In a couple of years, he'll be allowed to walk to school. Um, you, you, you assume they get to school. But wouldn't it be nice just that his bag, is in the bottom of his bag and beep, beep, you get a message on your phone saying Jackson arrived at school. That's good. Now this is, I'm talking about primary school. here. I'm not talking about checking whether your high school kids are wagging class. I'm just talking about peace of mind. Because unfortunately in this day and age, peace of mind is what it's all about. So it's called Trax, T-R-A-X. Once again, I've taken some photos of it in my head. Um, I will put it up on the website, eftm.com.au. It comes from a Swedish innovation startup called Wonder Technology Solutions, um, and they say they're the smallest and smartest live GPS tracker on the market. So um, Australia is one of the 30 countries that it works in, so that is very cool. Uh, It's been around for a little over a year now, and they are selling them in Australia, so you're getting them online, but there's no distributor in Australia. So I just... I say this because I really think there's a market for those things. I just don't know which retailer is going to pick them up and, and run with that. But anyway, we shall find out. Uh, you're listening to Your Tech Life, episode 297.
0: Your Tech Life with Trevor Long.
1: And we do all the thanks to the good people at Garmin. Garmin satellite navigation GPS technology. It's been a while since I reminded you about the Garmin Approach S6 product. Now this is for golfers, and it's a watch but it's more than just a smartwatch. This is first of its kind GPS technology, and it's very slim, and it's very light, and it's a watch. But it also has things like swing tempo, tempo training, and swing strength. So it can actually tell you how hard you hit. So imagine you've got a five iron, you know how, hard, how far you hit that. You can actually determine whether or not you hit it harder uh, or softer than before. And with swing tempo, it can actually help you, you know, know when to bring your swing down has a dedicated course view button uh, with green view for manual pin positioning. Uh, has a pin pointer blind shot assistance to tell you where the pin is, even if you can't see it. Uh, and it's touchscreen, high-res, glove-friendly, precise distances, right, for 30,000 international courses. Uh, this is an absolute cracker. You'll find it in, uh, in all good retailers for about 500 bucks, probably a little bit less uh, once, you, uh, once you get the retail pricing. But um, great Father's Day idea. Um, probably a bit late now, really, isn't it? But um, a great idea for, for golfing dads or golfing mums, the Garmin Approach S6. It's a golfing smartwatch from Garmin. Your Tech Life with Trevor Long. The first of uh, two chats I've got on the podcast today, um, uh, it, didn't, it wasn't planned this way, but it turns out they were both um, in, in the same building with the Lenovo team. The first one, uh, we'll, we'll cross to you straight away here, is with Marcus Frost, who's um, one of the marketing guns behind Motorola, to talk about the new Moto 360 range. In Berlin, and I'm in the Lenovo standard. And interestingly, now after the acquisition of Motorola, we've now got Motorola within the Lenovo um, within the Lenovo family. And I'm here with Marcus Frost, who's a big wig in marketing. Let's not worry about where and how and what the what the exact title is. But Marcus, uh, welcome and thanks for joining.
2: Hello, thank you. That's a pleasure.
1: So we're sitting here looking at a, a beautiful range of watches. Now the Moto 360 was probably um, probably the leader in, in the in the smartwatch game with the circular face. It was the one that went. Hang on a minute. We can do we can do a circle screen here. Um, there's been others since. But now you're bringing a second generation of, of watch to the market. Just talk me broadly through what are we offering now? What's, what's to come? We're not talking about Australian availability, we're just talking about the product overall. What's Motorola putting on show?
2: Absolutely, thank you. So um, you're quite right. With the original Moto 360, the key ethos there was have a beautiful timepiece. A wonderful watch first, and then subtly bring technology through to that as you begin to experience yeah. the watch. <laughs> So fundamental to Motorola is bringing choice, so unlike the first generation of Moto 360, we now have four versions of the new Moto 360, the second generation effectively. Um, just taking you very quickly through those, um, we have two male versions. One has got a large face, it's actually 46 millimeters across, so you can get all, all your notifications, you can really read those beautifully well.
1: A good manly sized watch.
2: A manly size watch, yes, with a nice big metal or leather bracelet. It's up to you. Again, more choice there. Yeah. We then have a slightly smaller one uh, for the male as well, which is 42 millimetres in diameter. Um, and the female one is that size as well. But then we have more feminine materials, so rose gold for an example, and a slightly slimmer band for females too. Yeah. And then to fit, complete the line, we then have Moto 360 Sport, uh, which will be coming a bit later in the year, which has absolutely dedicated materials, again, for the sports enthusiasts. Mm. This will have GPS built into it. Wow. Um, so uh, so unlike the fashion wear, again, this will really be for your sports this,
1: enthusiasts. This feels, looking at the sport, it feels, obviously, it's, it's targeting directly those, um, those sports bands from some of the big sports uh, wearable companies. This is... Um, This is an interesting approach because you can actually, you've got a targeted market there of people who are into that health and fitness and they're wearing these things for daily activity tracking, going out for runs and those kind of things. So will there be specific apps around the the sports watch as well so that people can do those activities?
2: Yeah, so something that we do have uh, that will, you know, be at its element within uh, Moto 360 Sport, but also across the range of Moto 360 second generation is something we call Moto Body. Mm -hmm. So um, at a base level, it will track your pulse. Uh, We we have uh, an optical pulse reader in the Mm -hmm. back of uh, all of our device, all of our smartwatches. Mm Um, we have a pedometer as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can actually measure your level of activity and then every week, if you wish, you get a little email saying, hey, well done on Monday and Wednesday, you overachieved, you know, this target. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, pick up your game maybe on the Friday there (laughs) because something went a bit wrong. So there is some basic tracking, but then if you happen to use other applications that work with Android Wear, which is really the platform that we work on, and most uh, sports applications work on that, Strava as an example, those will work seamlessly with Moto 360, and that's when you'll get all of that rich data, particularly for those sports enthusiasts that will be using the Sport Watch.
1: It's moments like this where I sit here and I realise that we kind of, I need to remind myself that we are... I live in a world that's kind of a year or two ahead of the rest of the world, and we're looking, we're talking about things here that aren't on the watches of a whole range of people. The, the average Joe isn't wearing a smartwatch yet, right. but this is so new a category. Just talk me through the size of the category, maybe over the next 12 months, where, because this is only new. I mean, yes. it, uh, what it was probably Samsung Gear was 2013, so it's only been two years we've seen any kind of smartwatch in a broad sense, and now we've got a large number it means there's clearly a market. How big is that market globally?
2: Yeah, so you're quite right. We're really at the tip of the iceberg um, that the smartwatch category is now beginning to boom. Mm. This year 2015 um, will be five times as large as last year 2014. That kind of trajectory will absolutely continue. You can see how Motorola is addressing that by bringing even more choice to the category four different watches all at the same time Um, and and again, it's interesting when you take the consumer perspective, people's normal perspective. First of all, they just want something that looks absolutely gorgeous. Mm. We believe we've done that. It's got a, a round face to it. And then you have a look at the materials that we've used, the choice of metal bands, leather bands, uh, and dedicated sports materials as yeah. well. Um, and first of all, you just see it's got a, a beautiful face to it that tells the time. Yeah. Hold your finger down on that, then you've got a choice of all kinds of different watch faces Mm -hmm. to choose that. Then as you live with the watch, you see, oh, I'm now beginning to get notifications. I'm getting reminders when to do things. And you can uh, enhance those, switch them off again, the choice is yours. And then the applications that you're using on your smartphone Those will then work, uh, in most instances, again, through Android Wear, with your smartwatch, and you'll begin to get this enhanced experience. And again, that's what Motorola really believes in. Uh, The relationship that you have uh, really enhancing the mobile relationship. We all have a relationship with our phones. A lot of us even bring them into the shower. We sleep with them next to our bed. We live with them. What Moto 360 does is then extends that relationship. So without having to dig into your pocket or in, yeah. into your bag, when you get a little notification, you get a little pulse on your on your wrist. Oh, is that important? Oh, it's my wife, yes, I better get into that. Good answer. Yes, you, you even know when, when your phone's ringing, you know, whether you... you, you, you my swap. wife doesn't listen, I dismiss those Dismiss, yeah, me too as well. <laughs> um, but um, again, so the, the category is growing and then yeah. people's use of that. It's new and uh, everyone is finding different ways to use it. My, my favorite thing on Moto 360 is the fact that when I want to take a photo, um, when I turn on the application, I then get a pulse on the watch saying, hey, do you want to take a photo remotely? And then I can actually position my camera away from me, be in the shot, and then click the watch, and then you get a countdown. Three, two, one, smiley you know face. What? We
1: did that with the, Moto, uh, the original Moto 360 and a, and a Moto X on the Great Wall of China at uh, Lenovo Tech World. It was sensational. because then you actually see the image on the watch. Um, just uh, in, in terms of Australia we don 't have pricing availability in those things, but where does Australia sit in in the global tech market from a Motorola perspective? Because I always find it interesting that we 're tiny right massive country but we 're tiny there 's twenty million people. but we seem to get stuff uh, early we seem to we seem to sometimes be a test case for for some companies bringing products. Where do we sit globally well what, How does Motorola see Australia in terms of its market because obviously we 're nowhere near as big as China and India but there must be an appetite. Is that is that a, a higher appetite than other places?
2: Um, certainly, what I've seen from you know the Australian consumer is um, very tech savvy. Um, you know, one of the most advanced in terms. All of all my listeners, that's yes. fine. Oh, there you go. Yeah. You, you're, thanks to you. So, um, right at the cutting edge of that, I wouldn't call call it a test bed because obviously, uh, certainly for Motorola, anyway, anything that comes out from us is uh, ready for the street. Mm. Um, but certainly there's a massive appetite uh, from Australians for what Motorola is coming out with, whether it's on um, our smartphones or our wearables as well, such as Moto 360. And um, we've seen a lot of success recently with uh, the range, whether it's uh, our baby, Moto E, through to our biggest-selling smartphone, Moto G, and then you get into the
1: cutting edge. Third-generation G, sensational phone. Absolutely. Yeah, I used it for uh, two weeks, um, a couple of, about a month ago. Honestly, I've had this conversation with plenty of people. I I struggle now to understand why people are by default looking at the $1,000 phones because that's a $369 phone in Australia, the Moto G third gen. Great phone, great battery life, waterproof, powerful enough to do all the things you need. It's quite interesting to me that the market is dominated by really expensive phones that don't need to be expensive. You don't need to buy them because you can get everything through through the lower end. How do, you, how do you challenge that from a marketing perspective? Because you probably don't have the money to throw at it like a Samsung does, but you've got to get that message through.
2: Yeah, we fundamentally believe in what you just said. Absolutely bringing great value. We, we call it premium value mm. um, to, to customers. That's what they want. They want wonderful mobile experiences. Mm. That's what Motorola is all about. But they're making it accessible. There's no point in having wonderful smartphones if people can't afford those. Yeah. So that's what we're constantly challenging ourselves to do, driving that value down, and then the way when you, you mention marketing, the way in which we then communicate that is many consumers now, and it's absolutely true in Australia, are now online. When you're trying to find out what's the latest and greatest out there, you're online doing that research. Mm. So we make sure through digital campaigns and social media that the information is there for people to find out about it. Uh, they can have a look at the reviews, such as the ones that you're, you're gonna write, and hopefully they're, they're positive. Mm and find out about that, then you can even then, of course, go and buy online, or you can go to a yeah. traditional store, find out, get some hands-on. So uh, that's the way in which we approach it. You so know, it's it's,
1: that's changed, isn't it? Because it used to be just go to retail and hope that the sales rep knew about it. Right. Now you can go to a retail and not care whether the sales rep knows about it because you've self-informed, yeah, which, is, you're, the, you're which is the digital world.
2: Right? You're, you're empowered now to make that decision, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, so that's really the way that we see that. Ultimately, the watches and the phones will speak for themselves, mm. and uh, just just like you found, you know, in the early days with the new generation of yeah. uh, Moto G, um, it, it's quite a phenomenal phone.
1: Well, thank you for your time, Marcus. Um, it's weird because the show hasn't even opened yet. You must be exhausted already. I am. Um, it's kind of weird, isn't it? You know, we're literally going. You're you're going back to back, back to back, talking to people like me. The show hasn't even opened yet, so I hope you actually get to get out and look at what some of the people are doing around here but and enjoy the show, but enjoy Berlin, and thanks for your time.
2: That's the, that's a pleasure. Yeah, caffeine is the answer on, on that one, So, <laughs> uh, but thank you. Always good to talk to you.
0: Your Tech Life with Trevor Long.
1: All right, well, I travel to Berlin as a guest of Sony, um, and it's always one of those nerve-wracking things when, when companies put the effort into bringing you somewhere, so you kind of hope that their announcements are going to be uh, good enough to to warrant attention. I don't write or talk about every product that I see. Um, I write about the ones that I think are uh, are interesting and exciting, and, and you'll probably know that because there's, there's certainly products that I haven't talked about. That's because I don't think they're either relevant to you um, or I haven't got the interest from, from listeners. You know, if I get an overwhelming uh, wave of, of questions about a certain product, I'll absolutely go out of my way to find it, try it, and, and bring you that information. Anyway, I digress. The... Um, uh, and you know, no, no real secret here to to say that we get a, a behind the scenes briefing before the products are announced. So, got to sit and have a look at the uh, the new smartphones coming out from Sony, the Sony Xperia Z5 range. Now, this is not the first Xperia Z series phone that's come to Australia. Uh, the Z two and three, I think they had, um, and certainly they had compact and and, and standard versions. Um, these have taken it up a gear. So. A couple of critical things here. The design is, is impeccable. A really nice um, kind of br- um, flat but dull metal um, bevel around the bezel around the outside. It's not, a, it's not chrome or anything. It's got the Xperia um, Word logo engraved in it. They've got the dedicated camera button, which is a standout feature for the Sony phones for a couple of reasons, I'll tell you in a minute. Um, they've, they've got a, a glass back, which on about two of the versions is frosted and on one of the versions is kind of a mirror finish. And, um, and they're waterproof. Now, they are actually waterproof, not water-resistant. Um, you know, even the, the Samsung Galaxy S5 was only water... Um, it wasn't waterproof to, you know, in an ocean, for example. Um, that would have avoided your warranty. There's a bunch of things there. The Sony Xperia Z5s are waterproof, so genuinely can be dropped in water and, uh, and will still work. And that's why the dedicated camera button's great, because you can take it in the pool and, and take photos... The touchscreen obviously doesn't work underwater, so you can use the dedicated camera button. They've gotten rid of the, the charging dock ports, they've gotten rid of the, the caps that cover up the headphone socket and the charging port. Um, the charging port is simply on the bottom as a standard USB, it's not under a side flap. They've just kind of simplified the overall design. It's still got expandable memory, um, and it's a beautiful design. So the, the, the standard Z5 is a 5.2-inch phone. The Z5 Compact is a 4.6-inch phone, and to put that in perspective, that's um, only 0.1 of an inch smaller than an iPhone 6, so it's pretty standard uh, size for a smartphone. Um, and to be honest, that's the one I want. I want to, I want to use the, the Compact. It looks like a cracking little phone. I'm not a fan of bigger phones anyway. Um, the The Z5 and the Z5 Compact pretty much spot on, the same product. A slightly different uh, chip since in the in the compact because it doesn't have a higher resolution screen. But uh, both of them claim a two-day battery life. I'll test that to the to the hilt um, because geez, I can chew through some battery. Uh, and um, and they are they're excellent phones. Now then, they've added a phone to the range, the Z5 Premium. Now the premium is a 5.5 inch device. Comes in uh, silver, gold, and black. The silver and gold are actually mirrors. I mean that they are bling like West Coast customs. Uh it's it's insane. But critically they also have a 4K screen. So the actual screen is 4K. Now I thought that was a little bit of BS at first, but then in the on the Sony stand they demonstrated side by side another phone which was behind a shield so we couldn't see what it was uh, and the Xperia with the 4K and the look the pictures were beautiful. Just beautiful. So if that's anything to go by um yeah. That's gonna be awesome. Now, obviously getting 4K content on it is a continuing question, but let's park that that worry or that concern for now and, and just hope that it comes through. We haven't got uh, availability in terms of dates, we haven't got pricing, but look, it won't be a $500 phone, right? It, it won't be a $600 phone. Maybe the, the compact is a $599 phone, but probably a $699 phone. So maybe $699, $850, and you know, 1000 for the premium. Um, and we had a very interesting conversation with a cab driver on the way to, to the show today. Now, I'm not going to go into great detail because it was a private conversation between a, you know, a Sony person and a cab driver. But what I took out of it, because this, you know, we were trying to convince the guy should he change from his iPhone. But do you know what it came down to? It just came down to price. Even though he wants waterproof phone. Even though he wants a better camera, and they don't even mention that, these things have a stunning camera, 23 megapixel, 8 megapixel by default, which means that you can also have a great digital zoom, excellent um, shake uh, absorption, so on the the run, a whole range of things that are excellent about it. But yes, this cabbie, pretty much price-driven. He will forever buy an iPhone until someone releases an outstanding phone at a super cheap price. He essentially wants to spend... A lot less, just a little bit less, a lot less. And I, I, wonder, I wonder if that's the worry for all these Android uh, phone manufacturers. Just don't know. So very interesting discussion, very interesting devices. If, um, I've said this a couple of times, if Sony had, sorry, Sony do have the money <laughs> that Samsung have to spend on marketing, but Sony don't spend it as uh, concentrated as Samsung do. So Samsung literally, you know, spend a huge portion of their marketing budget on their smartphones because it brings people to their brand. I think that's their, their theory. But Sony pretty much spreads their marketing across all their products. So I think if Sony, just for one and a half years, when essentially, you know, 60, 70, 80% of their marketing budget was on the Xperia phones, I think that's would see a turnaround. Because it's all about awareness. People need to know to ask for these things when they're buying a phone. And I'm not sure they are asking for that now. I think they're walking in and going, can I, can I have a look at an iPhone? Can I have a look at a Samsung? And they're walking out. But if you are an Android phone user and you are off contract, cracking good phone. Cracking good phone. I'm really looking forward to having a good uh, good hands-on play with it over, over a period of a few weeks. You are All that information is at eftm.com.au. You are listening to episode 297. Of your tech life,
0: your tech life with Trevor Long.
1: All right, well, all the rumours uh, pointed to one thing and they were correct, which is a bit of a bit of a standard story now for Apple. Um, the tenth of September, uh, at three am in Sydney, uh, they will be announcing something. That's all we know. Um, and the the invitation said, "Give us a hint, Siri, and if you ask Siri, she just gives you the brush, so she was no use. Um, so it's so the 9th in uh, in San Francisco. I'll be there. I'm flying over next Tuesday. Um, I'll be there for literally 24 hours. Hopefully enough time to drive down to Levi Stadium, get a Jared Hayne jersey, get back to the hotel, have dinner, and then do the event. So a lot to rush through, but we'll be all right. Um, so that's next week. My expectations are they'll come. Tim Cook will come out. He will talk about how amazing um, sales are going. He, I believe, he will reveal some sales numbers for the Apple Watch. Um, I think they will, again, talk about app sales and all those kind of things, but then they will announce the iPhone 6S, the iPhone 6S Plus, um, which will be a very similar device uh, with a better, um, a better camera. I think they'll, they will step the camera up a massive notch because I think uh, they, they need to. I think it will have force touch, um, not the Huawei style, their, their own style. <laughs> uh, Huawei announced the phone with force touch, which is interesting because I would have thought that's a trademarked Apple term, but perhaps not. Um, and and apart from that faster processor and all those different things. The rumours of Apple TV updates are probably spot on, but I think they're very American. I think the American market handles cable television subscription TV a lot differently to us, and I don't think any, any of that kind of stuff will be relevant here. I could be completely wrong though, so uh, you know, stand by and wait and see, um, but, um, but certainly the phones will be the key focus for us, so um, I don't know how on earth I would possibly pump out a podcast next week, if I'm honest, um, but I will try my best, um, even if it's just a spoken word one without any production elements, um, I might do something from the airport perhaps. Um, after the, the Apple event, I will try and um, uh, do a show of with, with Two Bikes Talking Tech with Stephen Fennec from over there, and then we'll, uh, we'll see what happens after that. Next week on Your Tech Life and Two Bikes Talking Tech Live from San Francisco uh, for Apple's big announcement.
0: Your Tech Life with Trevor Long.
1: All right, well, those that follow me on Twitter would know that uh, while I flew in the plane over here, I watched the first three Star Wars movies, um, episodes four, five, and six. Now, I couldn't tell anyone why, but the reason I did that was because it's Force Friday. Um, Actually, today, the day I'm recording this, um, which is the first day that all the new Star Wars movie merchandise goes on sale. Now, I want to play with one of them now, so you'll hear some noises here shortly. Um, This is the Sphero BB-8. BB-8, app-enabled droid. There's the music. This is the intro to the app. That's it, searching for the device. So if I put it here, it's connecting to the device. The uh, BB-8 has gone blue. It's lit up in blue. And now, I have control. So what you're hearing now... I wonder if I can turn the... Oh, what have I done? Um, so I can now drive him. Woo! So all these sounds? That's the sound of my little sparrow. I'll just drive him a bit and shame. you. And then I can do fun things with his head, and I can make him wobble. That's him saying yes, and that's him saying no. So all of this is happening on my, on my on an iPhone. Um, It's very cool. Uh, Works really easily. Kids are gonna absolutely go nuts for this thing. It's on sale now, two hundred and forty nine dollars at JB Hi-Fi, Meier, Harvey Norman. Um, That is the Star Wars gift uh, to end all Star Wars gifts. If I'm honest, Um, if you know anyone that loves Star Wars, buy one, save up for it, whatever you can do. Um, It is sensational fun. Um, You know, it's a bit pricey, but you know the dollar hasn't been kind to us over the last few months. So, so goes life, really. But it's it's a brilliant little product, and already my information is that it's already selling like utter hotcakes. Um, we we had it on the Today Show, so uh, plenty of people saw it and and rushed out to to get themselves one from uh, JB Hi-Fi and the like. So go and check them out. Have a have a play if they if there's an area to do that. Otherwise, just take my word for it. Uh, Look on my Twitter feed, um, at Trevor Long. I I did some Vine videos, just six-second videos of of how it looked. And on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash EFTM online, I put a video up. And no, there's not any sound on the video. My apologies. But it's just vision of the little BB-8 rolling around. Very cool. You're listening to Your Tech Life. Straight after this, we will join um, uh, the uh, president of uh, Lenovo in the Asia Pacific, uh, Roderick Lappin. All right, we're behind the scenes at EFA here. I'm uh, I'm in a very colourful uh, theatre in the Lenovo booth uh, with the boss himself, Rod Lappin. Mate, uh, good to see. you. Fantastic, Trevor. Good to be here. Now it's, let's talk about IFA because I'm I'm a newbie to EFA. This is my first time. It's a massive uh, it's a massive place. I, I, I'm actually yet to determine whether it's physically bigger than CES. I think actual convention show floor it probably is, but CES is full of hotels where you've still got convention stuff. We're, How do CES and IFA relate to each other, if at all, from a brand like Lenovo's perspective?
3: Yeah, I think you see the two of them being a little bit different, actually. IFA, from a raw population of attendees, IFA is bigger. Um, Expected this year, 270,000 people coming through IFA, where CES is about 160,000. I'm like you. I haven't actually seen the data on the footprint. Mm. Um, It's a bit more pokey here at IFA, which is a bit bit, uh, misleading, actually, on the size of the place when you go through it. But... The, the big difference is obviously if is open to the public. And so you get a very, very diverse range of demographic coming through the place, from retailers you know, to real consumers actually. It changes
1: the way you, you approach the staff on the stand. So, so at CES, you know that you're either getting media or potentially retailers, you know, retailers who, who are out there to buy. Whereas here, you kind of need a little bit of a consumer face as well so that you're actually talking to average Joe's who might ask the odd question. Um, that would be the main difference from the from the show floor perspective. You've got people actually playing with gear, you know, they're mucking around, there's kids up there playing the Y-series gaming the machines. System, yeah,
3: all. I think that's right. If you look at our booth in CS, it's actually a pretty much a locked structure. So yeah. if you don't have an appointment, you're not sort of getting in. And it's a big straight strategy, it's got a stage there, and we, we're out demonst- demonstrating our products, obviously, to retailers and partners, business partners, et cetera. And CS is a little bit more business-oriented, where you're really setting appointments with strategic partners, alliance partners retailers from around the world um and you get a lot more diversity around car electronics as well where mm. here to your point public so we've got that huge gaming section out there and yeah. there's literally i just saw a, i was standing out there just now and a guy's playing a soccer game and he scored a goal and him and his four friends all cheered oh, to each yeah. other you know so it's a very different environment so yeah, that's yeah, it yeah. it's very different um so when you
1: look at ifa what this is a, this has been a massive week for you guys you've launched a countless number of products is this Um, I mean, obviously, throughout the year, products come out, but is this the biggest launch of products you've had? Is this a, obviously, you've only just had the rebrand before Tech World, so that was a kind of a, the launch of the brand. A few little products there, but this feels like it's a huge range coming into Christmas. Is that the the proposition?
3: That's exactly why this is so big. So CES is strategically a very important Uh, conference. We have MWC in Barcelona at the end of March, which is the big mobile world conference, which is really where smartphone demonstrations and mobile technologies. And then you've got our own branded Tech World product, which we did in Beijing this year for the first time, and then IFA. And the reason why IFA is so big and you've got so many new launches is just purely because this is the show where you bring your new products to market before the holiday season. So this
1: stuff's all going to be... In different markets at different times, but Christmas is a big thing for these products. The products that you 're launching here today are, are are destined for for christmas shopping
3: absolutely this is all this is basically holiday planning launching
1: and one of the cool things I noticed as I was being being shown through the products was you 've taken a, a different tack to, uh, or a rebrand, I guess, as a part of the, the overall brand refresh to the actual product names, trying to find a, it seems to me, a simpler way of just saying, no, this is this is a different run of the ladder walking up the performance scale, essentially. So that, again, it's across the entire range so that you've been able to rebrand the, the way you do the model numbers, essentially.
3: Yeah, that's right. So we, we've obviously rebranded the brand itself, and we're sitting in this lounge, as you mentioned, with lots of Technicoloured seats, so you can feel the difference in the brand
1: compliant. It is
3: very. So it's, it's a very, very different feel to where we were historically. But you're right. The actual naming structures around our products has become much simpler, easier yeah. to understand. Historically, it was an X or a B or a U, and no one really knew which one was the premium product and which one was the lower product. Now you've got 100, 300, 500, yeah. 700. And so it's very simple for our consumers to understand what category they fit in and where the products are actually going to be positioned in the market.
1: Yeah. I would hope that it's good for retailers as well because it allows them to educate consumers through the process. But we all know that it's tough for retailers. And it's not a bad thing. It's not, I'm not having a go at retailers. It's tough for them. They've got hundreds of products to sell. You actually need to assume that people are going to come into a retail environment somewhat educated. That's essentially your approach as well, isn't it, through, through marketing. Your marketing through social approach is that, people are getting their information before they hit retail stores, aren't they? Is there is there data on that? Is
3: there statistics on how you work that? There is data. I, look, I wish I could remember it off the top of my head, but I know that people are basically walking into a retailer a lot more informed than they did five years ago. Yeah. And they're doing all their research online and then generally coming to a retailer to buy. So you've got to or really... haggle. Yeah, exactly. So you've got to really influence an end user way before they get into the retail space, where five years ago it was the retail salesperson really making a call on that sort of stuff. While we've got to educate them, we've got online solutions, software solutions on their smartphones to help them understand our product sets, et cetera, on the fly, the reality is we've got to go social or digital so we can influence the end users' choices way before they get to a retail yeah. site.
1: We, um, we've talked about Lenovo, just quickly, Motorola, obviously uh, part of the family now. Absolutely. Um, 360 range is, is quite exciting. I've, already, I've had a chat with Marcus uh, yesterday about that, but you know, in terms of a, a product range, it seems seems a nice approach to the to the smartwatch category to say we're going to make it a make it a personalised product instead of just saying here's one. Uh, feel free to buy it you're now saying this is something you wear um, how do you want to make it look on you it's a it's, it's an exciting product you're happy with that one
3: yeah absolutely and you can feel the Lenovo influence coming into that like you you see the 85 different pc-based products just pc-based products yeah. we're launching today for different niches running to every single potential category and I think this is what Lenovo does very well so the Moto guys have come in they've got the 47 millimeter bezel watch, then they've got the 42mm, then they've got the 360 sports watch, plus there's an array of colours, yeah. bands, black metal, gold metal. We no,
1: Moto it's Maker in way. Australia, that's, that's all we need to make that something exciting, I'll, but I'll leave you on that one. Wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, it would be nice. <laughs> um, so... Australia. Mm. Um, I think we're coming up to the anniversary of the consumer launch. And it's funny to me because Lenovo has been around for, for ages. And I, I think I've said this before. I've known Lenovo since God, 2007 when I was over in Beijing doing Olympic stuff. And big company, massive company. But didn't kind of realize that in Australia they were just this kind of enterprise uh, corporate mm. thing. So the consumer launch, so actually getting into JB's and Harvey's, it's not even 12 months now. No. So where are we at? Um, peg yourself honestly, out of 10, uh, success factor.
3: Yeah, I, I think um, the market's changed a little bit since we launched as well. So to to the defense of the score, and I always score myself harder than I probably should, um, but I think the team's done a pretty good job. Where I'd give us a seven out of 10. I think um, we executed really well, CEO came down, our chief marketing officer came down, Ashton Kutcher came down. So I think the launch plan worked really well and I think Australians have really liked the extra option on shelf in Australia. I think our retail partners have done an outstanding job with us there. I'd say we're sort of number three, number four in the market right now. Probably really aspiring to get to number two pretty quickly. And I'd mm, hazard a guess we'll hopefully be there in the next six to 12 months. So I feel like we've done a pretty good job. And I think the Australian publics are responding. I would say. Yeah,
1: but I mean, you're only those two retailers are obviously massive, but it's a it's a big market. We have a lot of retailers. Um, I think you just mentioned me you know, moving into Office Works as well. So it's 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 an overall strategy, and it's not just about having awareness. It's not just about having products. You actually need a place to buy it sometimes, even though there's great you know avenues to even buy it through Lenovo Direct. Consumers are consumers, right? And Australian consumers, all the, albeit early adopters, yep. are still, I think old school in terms of buying. I think they walk around to multiple retails and look for products and sometimes um, they'll find other products and that's, that's a challenge just to make sure you're everywhere, isn't
3: it? Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think when you look at the Australian market overall, it's very interesting. We're a very advanced society in Australia from a buying perspective, but to your point, we're also very traditional. When you look at our online penetration of retail overall in Australia, it's actually a lot lower than some of the more advanced markets globally, like the United States, Germany here, almost 30% of retail in Germany is online now. Overall. Overall, and in Australia, we're sub 10. So. It's, it's got a lot to do with our population, proximity and convenience to retail. You can basically walk out the front door of your house in Australia and within 10 minutes be in a retailer. And I think that's got a lot to do with that. Um, also, the way that they market and the way the market responds to, to large format mm-hmm. retailers. So you mentioned we've gone into Officeworks. Officeworks hits a, a niche part of the market, not so much niche, but certainly more an SMB yeah. small business space where the other two big retailers, Harvey Norman, JB Hi-Fi, obviously, much more traditional consumer space. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as we expand our footprint and we continue to grow, we'll continue to look at alternative avenues as well, but it's been successful for us.
1: When you're um, obviously entertaining, meeting, um, working with retailers at CS and EFA and all these places, Mm -hmm. does online direct come up? I've always wondered about that in terms of, you know, I can go to Lenovo and buy from Lenovo. How does that operate with a retailer? Because you're sitting in the room going, well, we're selling direct as well, so we're kind of competing, but... Is it just assumed that, that some consumers will go that way and that they're working with the other larger percentage of consumers? Is that the way those conversations go?
3: Yeah, I suppose it does. The reality is the market is moving online and the retailers aren't in any way, you know, unbeknownst to them. Like yeah. they, they can see what's going on in reality. Yeah. We tend to be a very retail slash channel oriented organization. Mm-hmm. So our first priority is our retail partners and our channel partners and to ensure that we keep them happy and we're continually managing what we call our 4P process so you know product pricing placement all all that sort of stuff what we're putting out on the market we're really prioritizing that part of the market as the large go-to part of the market for us then you've got the Lenovo.com space where you tend to find different product sets different configurations so we reduce the conflict but it's not really a conversation that comes up that much because as you said the reality is the reality exactly
1: how on earth do you uh, find time in the day Because, mate you're on uh, you're a very very important executive, but you know you're on twitter you know, how do you, how do you manage your life is, is it just you've got a great system in your diary with your calendar or how do you stay sane how does How does a man like you stay sane i don't
3: it's a great question. I haven't really sat back and thought about it. I, I travel every week. I'm traveling every week at the moment, and um, it's pretty hard on myself from a and a family perspective. I don't believe in jet lag. I seriously haven't. I'm. I agree. Yeah. I don't. I can work my way through jet lag without a problem. I think. Um, it's a great excuse, in my opinion. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But I, I actually love my job. So the fact is, I love my job. Yeah. So I think when you love what you do you are generally passionate about it and you're much more personally engaged in it. And I just, I really love my job. So I, you know, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, as well as like finding time to catch up on email, as well as like out talking to retailers and partners I in events. It's those I social
1: media things. I mean, I'm putting words in your mouth, but I find, I'm nowhere near as busy or as important as you are, but I find them to be distractions from you know, where you might have sat in a, whether it used to be a doctor surgery or waiting in a lounge, airport lounge, mm-hmm. you might have been inclined to open your laptop and do 10 minutes of work. Right. Well, good news, I can just sit and read what's going on in the world and engage with a few people. It actually is a distraction from work which actually creates that work-life balance, perhaps. Do, do you think, is there anything in that?
3: Yeah, I think I do get on Facebook to talk to friends a little bit, but yeah. the reality is nothing changes a phone call. And I tend to find that the time when I'm in a plane is when I'm most productive, because no one can touch me. So I do actually You're like a to- fly idiot, I like. had an in-flight wifi all the way here, I was smashing it. I was on, on A, so I did exactly the same oh. thing. But people still don't call you, yes. and so it's really your choice. And, and I find that time the most productive I have, because firstly, I clear out all the tactical stuff on email, I can still send it while I'm up there, and then you know you, I'm actually really thinking about strategy, I've got a pen and a piece of paper out, yeah. and I'm really yeah. looking strategically at what I'm planning for the next six to 12 months, yeah. mainly when I'm in planes because I'm just by myself and nothing's annoying me. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. It's an exciting time. Obviously, um, you know, the cycle begins again. You mentioned CES, Mobile World Congress, Tech World and IFA. Well, good news. I got the Grand Slam. Yes. So it's been, it's, been a, it's been a good year. We'll do it again next year. And, uh, and I guess I'll catch up with you at CES. But uh, congratulations on the launch and good luck with the, with the anniversary coming up in Australia, I guess.
3: Fantastic. Thanks, Trevor. Look, I... I will probably make a point of being down there for the anniversary to celebrate with the local team because they've done an amazing job and I'll definitely make sure I celebrate with the retailers as well. So the Australian community, you know, Australians, we complain a little bit, but the reality is it's one of the richest markets in the world, and I think they really appreciate technology, so we've still got a lot of work to do. We're number one in the world right now with 20.6% market share. We've been number one for nine quarters in a row. We see no reason why we can't go to 30%, and Australia's a big strategic well, I'm point. I'm just happy being number one. No. We, <laughs> want to, we want to try to get to 30%. We think there's going to be consolidation in the market. As you see commoditization in an industry like mm. this, we think, you know, you'll see consolidation. So we think 30% is realistic. And Australia is really strategically important to that. So I'll be down there. Good luck. Thanks very much, Trevor. appreciate it.
0: Talking technology without the jargon. Your, your Tech, tech life. life with Trevor Long.
3: All
1: right, that's a wrap. That's another show in the can. That's another uh, travelling road show. Um, please don't uh, don't hesitate to keep your emails coming in. If you've got questions, comments, problems about anything technology, send me an email. I will get back onto the, uh, onto the computer and... Uh, and get into a normal show routine in two weeks from now. Um, and I, I can tell you I won't be travelling um, until really CES, I don't think. don't have enough annual leave. Um, uh, there will be, I will be having a week off at the end of September, taking the family down the coast, so bear with me on that one. Um, but you'll, uh, you're very supportive like that. I appreciate that. Which really brings me to, to Father's Day. Um, I just wanted to wish all the, um, all, the, all the dads listening a very happy Father's Day. Um, uh, you know, it's um, I have mixed feelings about Father's Day. Um, my, my father's not around. He he, uh, he he passed away before I was born, so I've, I've never really celebrated Father's Day um, uh, until the last kind of nine years when uh, Jackson came into our lives, and then Victoria and Harrison. And it's been the best thing ever. I'm going to miss Father's Day this year. I'm going to be on the plane heading back. Um, and you know what? I, I I actually could have rushed home for Father's Day. Um, but you know what, thinking time on a plane is, is a pretty pretty good thing, and sometimes um, I get more value out of just spending Father's Day reflecting on, on life and values and uh, and, and all those kind of crazy thoughts, and um, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to enjoy a, a sleep-in on Father's Day. The kids' gift to me is, is a sleep-in, but I miss them dearly, and I'll be back there on uh, Monday night uh, after a day of work, and I've got a bunch of presents for them, of course. So happy Father's Day to all the dads listening um, it's uh it's great to have your, your company each and every week and uh hopefully your kids uh love tech as much as you do and uh, you know I love watching my my son Jackson get into it uh asking questions about technology and really starting to open his eyes up now I have to be a bit more on the ball now with the kids to make sure that they're uh, they're learning as much as they're they're hearing so it's great fun. Um, episode 297 in the can, uh, thanks to the good people at Garmin. Jump on Twitter, follow me at Trevor Long, uh, on Instagram at AU, and on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Trevor Long and of course like EFTM also, facebook.com forward slash EFTM online. Ta-da, thanks for your company, thanks for listening and we'll be back again well, as soon as I can but hopefully I'll uh, crack something out from, uh, from San Francisco next week uh, from Apple's uh, event in San Francisco. Thanks for listening.
0: Talking technology without the jargon. Your Tech, Tech Life. Life with Trevor Long.